Hey, hey, I'm Jimmy Bullard, and this is me old muck of Venus. We're back together, son. How are you? Hey, Bully, great to be back working with you. What are we doing here, though? We're starting a football club in podcast form. The only thing we know, it's called FC Bullard. After that, it's all up for grabs. So, we haven't got any players, we haven't got a kit, we haven't got a club badge, we haven't got a stadium. Correct. FC Bullard. Welcome to the club. This is a crowd podcast. This episode is sponsored by Ben, the joystick, Joyce. Ben can touch his toes without even warming up. To be more like Ben, go to patreon.com forward slash Joe Marler show and grow the show. It's the Joe Show, you're sitting on the front row Always helping you grow all the things that you know So vote with your feet, tell the people you meet And if you want a treat, reach for a bag of meat Hello, welcome to our show. I'm Joe Marla and this is Tom Fordyce. Tom, how are you? Joe, I'm good. Have you seen what I'm wearing? And I don't mean that in a saucy way, Joe. Have you seen what I'm wearing, Joe? What do you think? This is is hideous. It's hideous. Don't say that quickly. Sorry. (laughs) Trying to flog them, but it's a little bit um, unnerving, disturbing to look at your left nipple and see my face. We should explain. Looking back at me. Yeah, I haven't got a a nipple that functions as a mirror. (laughs) Or a nipple tattoo now. Or a nipple tattoo. I am wearing one of the very first Joe Marler Show T-shirts which has got your face in a sort of in that sort of cartoon. People will know the image I'm talking about because it's on their podcast app. It's the graphic that appears on your phone. Um, I think they're really smart. I've got the white one in medium, and I know it's freaking you out seeing your own face because you didn't even want this show to be called the Joe Marler Show, did you? <laughs> no. So now it's called the Joe Marler Show, and you're looking at me wearing a T-shirt that says the Joe Marler Show, and it's got your face. It's a bit much for you, isn't it? It almost seems like I've got no control over this podcast whatsoever. There is some truth in that. Okay. <laughs> but the reason we're doing these t-shirts is because it will help us... Grow the show. Grow the show. Grow... What was yours? Italian? Grow the show. Italian? It will help us grow the show. Uh, right, if if there's anyone there out... Is there anyone out there? If there's anyone out there listening that actually wants to buy one of those t-shirts that isn't as freaked out as I am. No, they, well, they won't be because they're not you. No, that's true. Where are they? Where can if you, get you go them? to uk forward slash shop and you can purchase this T-shirt, you can help grow the show by wearing it, you can help support the show. We'd also like to see, Joe, I think, wouldn't we, when people buy their T-shirts, it'd be nice to see some pics of people growing the show in their T-shirts. You can send them to us on the social. I'm not comfortable with you saying on the social. On the socials, on, on the, the social me- on social media. I, I knew what you meant by it, and you know I know a lot of the times what you mean by it. But it just makes me feel a bit creepy that you go on the on the social. Does that make you feel more or less creepy than the, these two scenarios? One, you go to bed tonight and Daisy is wearing a Joe Marler Show T-shirt, <laughs> or is it creepier if for Daisy if you go to bed and she sees Joe Marler wearing a Joe Marler Show T-shirt <laughs> with a picture of Joe Marler on your left nipple? Uh, it's freaking me out left, right and centre. What ha- what happens if I buy all of the T-shirts? So I log on to that website, I buy all of the T-shirts available and then no one else can have them. They are print on demand, so the company would probably think they're a massive success and would react to your bulk buying by producing probably double the number. 
So you would find yourself quite quickly in some financial strife, but you would have a lot of T-shirts. Okay. It's not the weirdest scenario you've given me that I've had to (laughs) get my head round. This was an 80th birthday party that I went to. It was my wife's granddad. He held it at the local rugby club, Uckfield Rugby Club. And the theme was rugby. He's a massive rugby man. Makes sense. (laughs) It does make sense. Who came up with that one? Uh, And uh, I went as Adam Jones in full Welsh kit head to toe and the wig the wig or the famous the famous the curls. curls that he had and jasper went in his small osprey's kit that he loved at the time and daisy went as me so she bought a mohawk bright red mohawk <laughs> taped her head bought some fake tats for her arm quinn's kit top to bottom we ended up having a few drinks and later that night <laughs> see where this is going did you with your with yourself, so to speak. It's important we get on with what we're here to do. One and that's more question. The rest of the show. One more question. Did it work for you? <laughs> Stop it. Enough now. Um, Joe, have you ever played poker? I've downloaded a couple of apps when I'm bored, but not for like real money or nothing. Okay, that's really given us the build up. Because we, basically, we've got a poker player on today, so that build up was poor. But I feel like I let you walk in sweat. <laughs> Shall I do that again? Joe, we got, we got a poker player. On the, a professional gambler, a professional poker player on the show today. What, like a top dog? One of the best. That does tournaments and stuff. Oh, all sorts. What, that tries getting one of those bracelets they give out? Yeah, you can probably do that thing where you pass a poker chip over the knuckles of oh, a hand. Oh, yeah, I've always wanted to be able to do that. Mm. Or when they stack the two towers of chips and then they do it so nice and goes into one. It yeah. seems so smooth. I've never been able to do that. And we're talking to one today, are we? Very much so. Okay, all right. I look forward to this one. Should we get them on? Yeah, let's go. Today's guest is a professional poker player, and his name is Richard Ashby. Hello, Richard. Hi. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so let me get this right. You you play poker professionally. That's your job. It is in the sense that I haven't done anything else for maybe 12, 13 years, so... What, what do you mean you haven't done anything? What, what literally anything? You've just been playing poker for 12, well, 13 years. There's actually, there's more truth in that than you'd realise. But no, I mean, I literally haven't done any paid work um, for 12 or 13 years. I haven't needed to do any uh, anything else to earn money other than play poker. Tom, that quickly leads me on to one of my fact-finding missions that I did in prep for this. And the longest game, it is, albeit an unverified source... Apparently, the longest game was 14 years long. What? 14 years long, and it was played at the Dun Glen Hotel in Thurmond, West Virginia. Can you get food at the table, Richard? Yeah, you get food, you get drinks, you can get massages, you can get... Um... Sorry, did you just say massage? Yeah, I mean, that's really that's Just, really just your run-of-the-mill neck and shoulder yeah, massage? Yeah, neck, shoulder, um, back massage. Sometimes if you're sitting in the wrong seat it can be quite unpleasant watching a you know someone getting massaged right down the lower back and you sort of see a bit more than you you'd want to i mean in fact <laughs> a few a couple of massage girls have actually uh, lost their jobs for being a bit too kind of um, hands-on sort of thing during the massages and people what else are, so. what else are they meant to use surely they're meant to use their ads like. yeah i mean they're kind of uh i don't know they were sort of massaging in spots which were sort of not really um appropriate for in a casino i don't I mean I, you know, I don't mean i don't literally mean they were you know sex workers but they were just sort of really, like, really, really, <laughs> they were really getting into it 
Thank you ever so much for clearing that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had, I had a friend. Yeah, he used to like his stomach massaged, and I think that's. What oh it. God, that's the last thing you want to see playing a game of poker. Oh, it's not not pleasant, man. <laughs> so, Richard, what's your what's your biggest ever win? Uh, yeah, it's quite. I mean, I was playing really high stakes about kind of ten years ago when um, before I was married and kids and responsibilities and um and in those days i mean i think my biggest ever one day win was something like seven hundred thousand dollars seven hundred thousand dollars in person or online no no this was online from the comfort of your own home yeah from from sitting in my you know my pajamas at my desk basically um when you're playing online you play like maybe four four tables at once so you're making you're kind of holding four sets of information in your head and what have you lost? Like, if that's the most you've won in one night, what was your biggest loss? It was in Australia, actually, but I was, it was it was online. But I was out actually in, in uh, Melbourne for a um, something called the Aussie Millions, which is a kind of like a big poker tournament they have every year there. And at the beginning of it, they have a what's called an opening party where you kind of all the players have drinks and you all kind of get to know each other and everything. And I was at that, and um, I turned up in trainers, and you needed shoes to go to this particular bar, so I popped back to my hotel room to. Um, change into some shoes and um being kind of the slight degenerate gambler i just thought i'd quickly log, log on check the action and um <laughs> i was quite drunk i was a little bit drunk at that stage as well so i logged on and um uh 12 hours later i hadn't like left my room gone back to the party and i'd lost like a million dollars pardon yeah i lost a million dollars in one night you've gone to australia to take part in a poker tournament in person with yeah. people and the opening night party you've had a few drinks chatted to everyone nip back to your room and thought oh i'll have a little flutter on a bit of poker in my room online yeah on the laptop. and you end up losing a million dollars yeah never actually making it back to the party i mean and the thing that really plays with me is if i'd worn shoes the first time around i wouldn't have had to go back to the room to change into shoes <laughs> million dollar shoes when you're starting out rich and you're going i guess you've started off in a casino and then you're you're starting to play outside of a casino. Did you ever find yourself in some in some quite scary situations in games that aren't being monitored by the casinos? I did play for a while when I started out in, in the private game scene. There's kind of like a, a network of kind of home games and you kind of go to one and then you meet someone who runs another game. And, you know, there's kind of like that sort of underworld of poker games, if you like. And um, I did get involved in that for a while, but um, you soon realise there are, you know, you do meet some shady characters, you know, the crossover between like poker players and criminals is quite kind of, if you do win, you might not get paid. Um, some of these games, often people find out where they're, where they are and they get held up. So, yeah, I mean, fortunately, nothing too bad ever happened to me. I think I, um, I, you know, one, one time I was winning in a game and the guy running the game said, look, if you win any more, I can't guarantee that I'm going to be able to pay you because it depends if the other guys who lose pay me. So, you know, then you're like, you know, what's the point of that? Whereas if you're in, you know, if you're in a proper casino, you know, you know, you're not getting cheated. Well, supposedly you're not getting cheated. But actually, interestingly, like just recently at the Victoria Casino in London, um, two Russian guys were playing there and winning every day. And it and someone noticed that they were actually passing cards, sharing the cards under the table. So you can't you can even get cheated in a in a live casino as well. Hang on a minute. They've managed to cheat. This was what I was curious about. Whether So counting cards in Rain Man is blackjack. So that's not yeah, blackjack. Yeah, that's right. 
That's not poker, no. Are there ways to cheat in poker? Yeah, I mean, there's there's tons. There are there's a lot of ways you can cheat. I mean, and they're becoming increasingly sophisticated. I've I've heard of recently of these decks of cards, which um, every card's microchipped, and um, you know someone's wearing an earpiece, and it tells you which hand is going to win in advance. You know, although you might have a bad hand you get a message in your ear saying you're going to win this one so then you you know you can bet a lot of money with a bad hand that's when i'm talking about private games that kind of thing you can never be sure but yeah the, the one i previously talked about the two russian guys they were in a casino and they were kind of sharing cards under the table so they would be like they'd quickly swap cards and they were doing they were up to all kind and no one noticed it was it's pretty amazing they got away with it for you know several weeks and the casino never even clocked onto it but one of the the old kind of experienced guys who's sort of prone to the odd sort of trick himself he 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 spotted them and uh he let the casino know and they froze all their money wow so if if you don't want to cheat rich what what makes a great player is it like a logic and mathematical ability is it reading the game is it reading other players the really good players who are coming through now they're they're not really like you'd you'd imagine on the movies they're like kind of really quite geeky quite nerdy and they've kind of they've ran all these kind of mass simulations and they've figured out what your playing tendencies are and they've developed counter strategies to attack your kind of predictable patterns of play and you know so it's sort of it's quite intellectual quite kind of there's quite a lot to it it's not really like you know the big kind of you, what you see in the film, someone coming on, you know, with the big bluffs and looking the you straight in the eyes saying, I know what you've got, kid, and all that kind of... When they first came to the live scene, I remember you could recognise, like, an online player straight away. They didn't know how to handle their chips. They were all nervous. They didn't know... But, you know, they, they had really strong poker fundamentals, but until they kind of could relax in that kind of live environment, they were still pretty bad players because I wouldn't say it's a body language and is a big part of poker but when they were so hopeless like in so obviously nervous in certain situations then you you could exploit them but yeah basically that type of player now has become normal on the live scene as well because they not only have done all the maths they've now figured out how to kind of conduct themselves in a kind of winning fashion as well so so it's a lot tougher so were you a maths geek at school? Were you down that route? Or were you the extrovert that's happy to take on someone at a live table? The advantage that I had that is that I was, uh, I used to go, when me and Tom were at university, I used to drive once a week and play. You two know each other? Yes. This is fucking horseshit. <laughs> what the whole point, the whole point, well, it's not the whole point. A big point of this is to improve my trust issues. You're doing it again, mate. Is this just a show that you can just bring your family and friends on to, like, and then fool me? So you two know each other, do you? Yeah, we know each other really well. Oh, fuck's sake! Yeah. Now, either this is re- this is really interesting because it means you've got a lot of friends that have got really interesting jobs, or you've asked all your friends to make up all these <laughs> interesting yeah. jobs because we couldn't actually get guests on the show. So which is it? So I've seen Rich play in that, when we were at college, he's right, we used to drive to Sergeant York's gambling house in Luton. And there wasn't as many casinos around then, Rich, were there? And it was it was a big trip out and we were students, so we could eat for free and we could drink for free. And you would buy in with, what, 15 quid sometimes, wouldn't you? And if we came out of there with 50 quid, it felt like we'd, we'd robbed the place. And then the weird thing was, Joe, watching Rich as he got older... Most people went into sensible jobs at some point, and then Rich never did. Have you ever had another job apart from poker? No, that's yeah. That, that's, I mean, I did actually. I did. I a futures and options trader for a, a couple of years, and um, for a financial spread betting company. What and, happened uh, there then? Yeah, there's a bit of a story there. I mean, I, I was still, <laughs> I, I was still playing a, a lot of poker as well. Um, I remember I was doing the night shift, and um, 
I was quite tired because when I wasn't working, I was playing poker, so I wasn't getting a lot of sleep. So I'd kind of, um, <laughs> I had this system where I used to take these pillows in and I used to like tell the other guy, look, I'm just going to get my head down for a power nap. Can you just watch the desk? Because I was sort of covering the Far Eastern markets and stuff. That doesn't and, uh, sound like a particularly subtle or sophisticated system, just walking into the workplace with a pillow. Yeah, exactly, taking my pillow. And it was, it was going quite well, I thought. But then um, I think my boss, he kind of, obviously all the calls were recorded he kind of listened to my overnight calls and like you can just hear me going what yeah right i was completely asleep um trying to take these deals so that yeah unfortunately they um they so uh, they caught you yeah i mean i thought it was a kind of a sort of standard thing to do like do you, you know when it got quiet overnight you know you could you were kind of allowed to have a little a little nap but um i, w- I managed to get a kind of settlement and then i used that money to um to play poker initial poker <laughs> bankroll that is, uh, that's how it started. Yeah. That's unbelievable. And the fact that you two um, know each other really well, I'm going to let slide for a little bit because I'm still really interested about hearing more what it's like to be a professional <laughs> poker player. But the thing is with Tom and all your mates, isn't it? You've got nicknames for all your mates. Yeah, so we've all got is nicknames, this, yeah. Is this Richie? Rich, Richie Rich or Rich? This is Chufty. Chufty, yeah. Yeah. Why Chufty? They say they say I used to say chuffed a lot, like kind of sarcastically. If if something wasn't going well, I'd go chuffed, like, and I was always saying that. So then they started calling me chuffy. So a nickname's a big thing in poker because I've got Texas Dolly, which is Doyle, Doyle Brunson. Brunson. Yeah, yeah. Some, no, he that's... looked like an old geezer with a cowboy hat. Is that right? Yeah, he's a real old kind of American high stakes player. So he was good, uh, he, was he? I mean, he still plays. I've been play. I've actually played with him quite a lot over lockdown on a on one of the private games I'm playing in on. So he's still in. He's he's I don't know. He's ninety years old or something. So he's ninety. Yeah. Uh, he's really old. I mean, I could have just. I'm not sure exactly how old he is, but he's coming up to ninety or something. I think. And is he still any good, or do you take advantage of the fact that he might forget a hand or two? <laughs> he's obviously live. I think he st- can still kind of hold his own, but like. You can imagine someone of that age trying to play online poker. It's just he's no, it's not, it's not a good spot for him. So okay. uh, I think he's yeah, but he's still for his age, he's playing very well. It's pretty cool. The next nickname <laughs> I've got is Phil, the poker brat Helm Helmuth Helmut. Yeah, Phil Helmuth. Yeah, he's is he a Helmuth? Is he a helmet? I would have gone with the helmet rather than the poker brat. I'd have gone with poker helmet. He is a very sort of um, big character in America, and um, he's known for his outbursts at the table. And berating players, I've I've been on the receiving end of them several times. I mean, he's actually quite a nice guy away from the table. But if you uh, happen to come against him at the table and you you know you play a hand in a certain way and he does and he thinks you shouldn't have done that, he'll like he'll really like start going crazy. And he's very well known. He's probably about the the, the most famous American poker player out there. Would your Joe, if you were a poker player, what would your nickname be like the tentative tiger? Joe the Tentative Tiger Marler by like a Bruce Buffer type bloke. It's Michael Buffer, not... It's not Michael Buffer, it's Bruce Buffer, isn't it's it? It's not Bruce Buffer, it's Michael Buffer. Bruce Buffer's his brother. <laughs> and he does... Smaller gigs. Other <laughs> so he goes, Welcome to the table, Richard Chufty Ashby. I remember Rich telling me that <laughs> when you're trying to apply for a mortgage and you put professional gambler down as your occupation doesn't go down massively well and rich wasn't it quite an early date with debbie who had gone to become your wife when she was asking you how you should split the bill that's the thing the kind of gambling world and the money there's some sort of involved when you're when you're gambling and then there's like real life kind of money and it was like 
one of my first dates with Debbie, I remember like I'd lost something like a hundred thousand, hundred twenty thousand the previous night, and then we were out for dinner, and she was, and I think we've got takeaway, and, and um, <laughs> she she said, you know, do you want me to pay for half the rice, or should we split the rice? So I don't mind paying, and I was like, yeah, okay, fine, no, no, but I just actually lost. She obviously had knew at that stage knew nothing about the fact that I'd lost a hundred thousand dollars the night before, so. I'm concerned that she only offered to pay for half the rice and not half the meal. Um, yeah, I don't know but what the rice. It's not really that much of a gesture, is it? <laughs> do you treat it as real money or do you lose that sense of it being real because you're playing for ridiculous amounts at a time? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. You do, you do become kind of desensitised, so... When you've got kind of money sitting in a poker account, it's, it doesn't seem nearly as real as if you had it there in front of you. Or if, if, and similarly, if you're at a live casino and you've got chips, they don't. Although you could just cash those chips for real money, they don't. They you do lose some of that realness. So yeah, it's, I mean, you have to have that attitude, really. Particularly if you're going to play high stakes, you can't you can't forever be thinking if I bet this amount now, that's the equivalent of a week in Thailand, or you know, you've got to like just see as see the money as kind of um just a sort of a means to an end you can't really start getting even when you're actually winning in a session you until you actually cash out you, you know you, you still haven't you can't you haven't booked that win yeah it makes perfect sense because on my gambling account that i have on the bet 365 app i've got like 120 quid in there and even when i'm putting a bet onto like a football accumulator and I, you know, I go a bit crazy sometimes. Sometimes I do ten or fifteen pound. Yeah, big time, big time. But it never seems like real money. So I'm like, it's all right if I lose a thing. But if I was to set fire to a hundred pound in front of me, rather than that online thing, I'd be like, what on earth am I doing with that hundred pound? You mentioned um, chips there, not seeming real, and that leads me on nicely to one of my facts, Tom. That I've beautiful done Let's in my research. It. Do you want to hear it? Yes, please. Are you sure? Mm. Yeah, but when I've done facts for you before, you've always looked at me like that. And people, the listeners can't see the eyes that you give me, but they're like, oh, what's this fucking bullshit? Yes, because you took one of them was that someone had been pregnant for a year. Chips. Do you know what they originally used instead of before they became made from ivory, bone, clay or wood? Tell me, Joe. That's good. I like how you're role playing with me. They uh, used to use gold nuggets, gold coins or gold dust. Gold dust, they gold whole dust. gold dust before before chips. Um, really, interesting. There you go. I've told the professional poker player a, a fact. That's true. That because poker was leading on nicely to the other fact I've got invented by French residents of New Orleans. Did you know that? No. And it was called poku 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 poki poka. It's spelled P O Q U E. And then it evolved to poker, funnily enough. And that was in New Orleans. Do you know what else was invented in New Orleans? Jazz. Jazz music and cocktails. It's, it's been good, your fact hour today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, moving swiftly on. So let's say Joe's going into a casino after we record this show. Yeah. He's not an expert at poker and he's, it's a live game and he's sitting down. How should he be behaving? Like, What little tips can we give Joe? Does, he need, does his face need to be a mask? Should he be looking for... For tells from other players, the thing is, it's going to be. Quite, I mean, it's going to become apparent quite quickly that he's not really done much of this before. So he that's can try ridiculous. And... That's ridiculous. <laughs> how's that? How how's it going to become apparent so quickly? Because the way you kind of pick your chips up, the way, the way you handle your chips, the way what, you. Uh, what if that's you... a massive bluff? 
I mean, it, good luck. I mean, if that's a great, if, if if you can perfect the bluff to that extent, then. So how do you fiddle? <laughs> I mean, with your chip, with your chip, with your chip. Have you got a particular fiddle way? I think you can just you can just tell people like shuffling with their chips and the way they put their, call their bets and just their general kind of awareness for what's happening at the table and whose turn it is, where the action is. Have they posted their blinds? Um, until you've done it for a long time, you you know there's just so many kind of unspoken rules that that it doesn't matter if you break them but you'd be breaking them if you weren't a regular so you'd you'd take advantage of me would you if you turned up at a poker game and like you know we'd be trying to take advantage of you but you know people would be friend they'd be friendly towards you they'd be asking you questions they'd be engaging you they'd be trying to you know you know they'd recognize you as a recreational player rather than a a more professional player so they yeah what are you doing are you bullying me are you like putting your stacks in early you're trying to you're going to steal my blinds steal your blinds yeah i mean it depends what kind of um you know there's all types of different novices you might be kind of like you sound a bit like a nervous novice so you probably (laughs) you wouldn't want to put your chip feels like you've known joe for a long time (laughs) you know you would you wouldn't want to be putting your chips in the pot so like we could exploit you by you know bluffing you basically bullying you and like yes as you say stealing your blinds but then you are actually not as valuable as the kind of the recreational player who comes and who thinks he's you know james bond off or something he really wants to kind of you know be the kind of the main man and push the table around because he's the guy that's going to you know make a mistake and put all his chips in the middle when he can't win so we're going to take all his chips at once whereas with you we'll have to grind you down and like you know you know, it'll, be, it'll take a little, a little while longer. Right. Okay. Thank you for um, <laughs> insulting me um, during during the during the poker thing, calling me a nervous novice. So I'm guessing that there might be a few listeners to this that are also nervous novices. So we are all. Yeah. Is it or is it novici? What's what's the plural, Tom? Uh, Novici. Novici. Um, so do you remember um, the hands that you won some of your biggest pots with? Because uh, there's been so many different hands i don't really remember the actual specific cards no you know i might be having kind of hundred thousand dollar swings on a daily basis for you know two years or something or a year and a half or whatever i was how long i was playing at that high so you kind of you're a bit numb to it really um and one thing i do always remember is that you don't feel that kind of much happiness from the wins but you do feel devastated by the losses and like you just feel that 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 feeling in the morning when you've had a really bad session and you wake up and for a split second you feel fine and then you remember the loss and then it's just like oh it's the most depressing feeling to particularly when you've really had a a big loss and i mean now i mean obviously i'm playing a lot smaller but the money's means just as much because i've got more responsibilities and i've don't have as much money as I had when I was playing high stakes. So even now when I've lost like, you know, five or 6,000 and I wake up the next morning and it's like the feet. Yeah. It's not, it's not, it's not a fun feeling. Whereas if you'd won seven or 8,000, you wake up and you think, well, that's good. I won, but you don't sort of, you don't really think about it. I can sort of relate to that in terms of winning or losing a rugby game. Sort of. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I I get, I get down about, I want to win all the time. I do want to win, but I get really down about losing if you lose badly as well. But I'm not losing hundreds of thousands of pounds and then having to go back to my wife or partner and explaining (laughs) how I've ended up losing that. And you're, you're, Joe, yours are collective losses as well, aren't they? Yeah. So it's, there's 22 of you in the, you know, it is different, but you touched on that there, where you're saying you don't really get a huge buzz out of the win, but you do get a big downer of the loss. 
and we've spoken to um all sorts of different people on on this show but recently we spoke to a, a homeless guy who was addicted to heroin for quite a large part of his life and a lot of the stuff that you've spoken about kind of relates in some strange way to to his addiction to a drug if debbie your, your wife turned around to you tomorrow and said right no more poker i want you to go and get that job back in the city where you got sacked for sleeping with that pillow and all that <laughs> lot, would you be able to do it do i feel like i'm addicted is that kind of what you're yeah yeah are you are you addicted to playing poker <sighs> i don't know is the honest answer Wow, I really don't want to make this a counselling session. I'm so, I, I don't want to dig that thingy, but... It's possible that I could have a, some level of addiction, but because I'm winning, it's not destructive. But if I was losing, it would be... Having the same level of addiction would be very destructive. Um, but I, I also believe that, you know, if I found something else to do, I could just stop playing poker. Like, I, I don't really believe I'm... You know, it's not... I think I could definitely stop if if I really if I wanted to. But in terms of how much focus and how much how much I'm kind of invested and preoccupied with poker, it's I, I think it is an addiction, yeah, to an extent. Because you've got two kids now, Rich, but your working hours are like you're playing all night, aren't you? You're playing till what four or five in the morning? Yeah, I mean, I'll probably log on after this and play till about five five a.m. and my little, my seven-year-old, he wakes up normally about five, so he'll sort of come down and I'll still be playing. And then I'll help him with some breakfast and then I'll yeah, I'll go to bed about six. This is this is a whole, whole another world on there. So hang on, if you're playing, if you're working from midnight to five o'clock in the morning. I start before, normally I start, I start normally about, I put the kids to bed and then I start about kind of nine, nine p.m., work through to about five, or we'll work, or we'll play through to about five, depending on how, how I'm going. I mean, sometimes if I'm really like stuck and like I'll, I'll play right right round till like eight nine in the morning, but you know I tend not to. That's maybe once a month that happens. And then do you sleep during the day? So you're like a vampire. Yeah, basically, yeah, sleeping. I mean, I, I for example today I I got up at like um, eleven and then played about started playing about one and I, lo- I was I was thinking they probably asked me how I did today, so I, I might as well tell you I lost uh, I lost about five thousand dollars today just playing. Um, before us <laughs> so yeah that's just like an average day does it ever get lonely in the middle of the night because i know lockdown has changed things for a lot of people but most people's jobs like joe you go and see your teammates at quinn's or with england most people's jobs involve talking to other people seeing other people and you which are in the kitchen by yourself it's pitch black outside and everyone's asleep yeah it's kind of i mean i used to break it up by playing live poker, so I'd play in the actual casino and play less online because that's you know at least you got the social dimension. But yeah, it can go. It's you kind of you're quite isolated, and you know if you're having a real loot, I mean, you can watch Netflix at the same time, I guess. But if you, it's kind of it's kind of quite hardcore, really, and it's quite yeah. As I say, you don't you don't have much interaction with people, no. So when you're playing in the middle of the night, do you ever sort of look around and you suddenly think, what am I doing? Yeah, I do know what you mean, and I'll, yeah, you do have those existential kind of what's the word existential crisis sometimes when you're just sat alone at your desk, no one around, just you know losing money, being a degenerate, wondering what happened to you in life that you you know you're in this. But, but most of the time, it's just too much fun. I'm too I'm too involved in it, and I'm too it's too consuming to have that those moments of reflection. But I do have them from time to time. Are you even aware of your surroundings sometimes? You're just so wrapped up in the game, staring at the screen, you, you could be anywhere. 
Yeah, I mean, it's strange. Like sometimes when I go away, I take my screen with me and I'll just, um, you know, we're on holiday, I'll just, I'll be playing at night as well. So I like, yeah, I don't even know where I am. Like sometimes I forget where I am. You know, oh, we're actually on, we're on holiday, are we? I forgot I was on holiday. You know, I just, because I mean, I'm just assuming I'm back at home because I'm playing poker. So I do, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, you just kind of so involved that you don't, you don't realise where you are. I'm guessing the winnings uh, softens the blow on that. Yeah, I mean, you just you're always chasing your what we call your peak bankroll. So you know, like when you are most ahead of the game, you have a number in your head, and say, you know, I was like through poker, I was winning one point six million pounds, and that's my what I'd call my peak bankroll. And then you start to lose, and you'll be like, and you're always trying to get back to that peak level of winnings. And until you're back to that level, you're sort of unsatisfied. You just want to be back there. And then when you do get there and you get back to, okay, now I'm back to, you want to win more. So with the current stakes I'm playing, I don't, I don't know if I'll ever get back to my, which is quite depressing. I'll never actually get back to the most money that I had. I think basically if I'd quit like 10 years ago, that would have been, would have been my peak. <laughs> so I haven't been losing for 10 years. That makes it sound like I've been losing for 10 years. <laughs> Sounds like you've just been in a money pit and just chucking it out and staying in the pit. Yeah, because I had some very large high-stakes high losses and I've just sort of been trying to grind those back for the last sort of 10 years kind of thing. The thing is that the mentality that I had, which is what made me a lot of money through poker, was that I would just keep pressing and pressing. So if I hadn't had that sort of, you know, reckless kind of, mentality I wouldn't have got up to those levels in the initially in the first place so I can't feel too much regret for you know sliding back down because I was still trying to find how far I could get to if you see what I mean okay quick break here for the adverts but first some shout outs for our sponsors on Patreon this episode is sponsored by four minute Miles Bannister Miles also told us a story about Rolf Harris, which we're not going to read out, but it did make us laugh. Thank you, Miles. We're sponsored too by Becky Rollerball Dyson. And yes, Rollerball is so far the coolest Hoover-based name we've come up with. Thank you, Becky. This episode is sponsored by The Zimmerman. That's Philip Zimmer. Philip loves cats, and he also lives in the US of A. Thank you, Zimmerman. Hello to new official sponsor, The Notorious B.E.G., Becky Eaton Garrett. Thank you, Becky. And we're sponsored by Tristan Hall, a man who makes beer, has lived in Istanbul, and has, quote, positively average chat. Thank you, Tristan. To be more like both Beckys, Tristan, Philip, and Miles, go to patreon.com forward slash Joe Marler Show and grow the show. Over the centuries, the world's greatest wordsmiths have crafted the most beautiful sentences ever written. Shakespeare. Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Austin. There is no charm equal to tenderness of heart. And Jermaine Pennant. I pulled two birds and I went home, which is nearly a proverb. (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome to the Football Book Club podcast, the only book club that's less Charles Dickens, more Paul Dickoff. And you can listen to our brand new series right now by searching Football Book Club wherever you get your podcasts. 
Shrink the Box is back for a brand new season. This is the podcast where we put our favorite fictional TV characters into therapy. Join me, Ben Bailey-Smith, and our brand new psychotherapist, Namone Metaxas. Hi, Ben. Yes, this season we're going to be putting the likes of Tommy from Peaky Blinders, Cersei from Game of Thrones on the couch to learn why their behavior creates so much drama. So make sure you press the follow button to get new episodes as soon as they land on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Shrink the Box is a Sony Music Entertainment original podcast. Those were the adverts. I hope you enjoyed them. They pay for this program. Um, how do you how do you prepare for like a big tournament? How do you prepare? Do you like do any sort of Zen meditation or go for a run or something like that? I mean, I try to, and I do a bit of swimming. I do a bit of exercise because I try to. You know, it is it's it's important to balance. You can't just do it twenty four seven because you just get too kind of uh, you just, you're just not alert. You don't, especially now. I'm you know getting older. So I have to like yeah, I have to do some exercise and other stuff to to be able to play to to my best of my ability. A lot of the new players now they they are doing stuff like meditation and I don't know relaxation and they're really they, it's become you know because it's so competitive they are taking it to that next level. But I don't do anything like that. No, you're just naturally blessed that you just crack on, is it? Too much too much of a degenerate, probably. I just uh, <laughs> want to jump straight into the action. <laughs> I just I just worry when you talk about so much online poker that the soul of poker has gone from it. The amount, I, lo- I love watching, going through social media pages and usually on Facebook, you end up coming out, oh, right, this is the biggest hand there's been in 2018 and it's the face-off. And the, Do you know what I mean? And the, the, the drama that comes with it and the face-off and it's like a million or two million dollars that's up for grabs. And there's like passion and drama and there's soul to it. And you don't get that on online, do you? It can be a bit soulless online because you don't even, you know, people aren't even playing by their real names. You're just playing against some made up name. You don't know who it is. You don't know where they are. So, yeah, I definitely agree with you. There's a lot more kind of, yeah, a lot more soul and there's a lot lot more to live poker. And because of that, it tends to attract a wider range of players. Whereas particularly online as a, you know, a lot of the time you don't even know if you're playing against a person. You might be playing against what they call a bot. So what the fuck's a bot? I think these people basically, they've, they've written programs an artificially intelligent being is playing is making decisions in in, in real time against you so they how's that fair as how, how bots are in a human yeah, game they're, they're not allowed and they they've taken quite often the poker sites will refund people money because they've you know they've uncovered a team of bots working in a certain like particular game bastards yeah it's uh it's not it's not fun yeah. no, that is, I mean, that as is i say poker is like it's not an easy First of all, you've got to be good enough to win. Then you've got to find a game where you're not cheated in. Then you've got to find a game where if you do win, they're going to pay you because a lot of these, you know, private games and stuff, you might not get paid. And then, yeah, you've got to then you, you've got to hold on to your money if, you, if you're running bad and, you know, the, you're tempted to play badly to try and win it back. So, you know, there, there's a lot of people, as we would describe poker players, in what we'd, we'd say are in poker hospital, which means they're kind of, Temporarily gone skin. Poke hospital. That's a great phrase. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough to sort of stay in action. You know, I know a lot of lot of good players who are quite often broke, and then then they'll get another player to put them in a game to get them back on their feet. They'll, you know, they'll buy them into a tournament or put them into a cash game, and they'll have like twenty percent of themselves. But it's a fr- you know it's a free roll, so they can build back up again that way. Is that how it ends in poker then? Does it ever end with someone just making a load of money and just walking away? Or is it inevitable that most players, when they get to a certain age, 
the end comes because you just lose. Yeah, I think the majority of people quit poker because they just get fed up with losing. I think you'd be correct. Yeah, I, I think there's not many people that have had huge wins and, and just said, right, I'm stopping now. That's the end of, of... Because once you've won once, you know, you just think there's no reason you're not going to keep winning. So Here's something else I've always wondered, Rich. With your wife, Debbie, does she like you because of the poker? Or does she like you despite the poker? <laughs> like, when you started going out and you've told her you're a poker player, what's her face doing? I can't remember. I don't, I think, I don't think I told her immediately. I do remember that um, when her dad found out, he was really kind of didn't seem at all impressed with me. And like, it's not really a dream. You know, you don't really kind of envisage that your daughter is going to marry a professional gambler. It's not really the... I don't know. There's, there's worse. There is worse. She's completely fine with it. And it's, it's, it's important. I always tell people if you're... A poker player and you're having in a relationship and initially and you're having problems like you know they're saying they're giving you grief basically it's just never going to work you know they they have to realize that you know if you're in a if you're in a game at three in the morning and you you're losing five thousand but the game's amazing and there's a couple of guys who are just trying to give their money away you can't come you can't come home you've got to stay and try you know you know the nature of the game you need to stay and try and get your money back debbie sounds like she's got the patience of a saint and yeah, and also and probably a really nice car as well. Um, fair play to her. You mentioned at the start of uh, the recording that your biggest win was seven hundred grand, or was it was it seven hundred thousand? Yes, about seven hundred thousand. Seven hundred thousand. My biggest win in one night. That was. Do you know what the biggest win someone has done in an official poker tournament? Off the top of your head, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I am putting you on the spot, so you're on the spot now. In a tournament. Yeah, in a tournament. What's the biggest win? You tell me the guy and I'll tell you how much it might be. Antonio Esfandiari. What was it, about 18 million? Oh, wow, he's bang on. He he knows his shit, doesn't he? 2012, it was a World Series of Poker event, 55, and he won 18,346,673 dollars. That is mental. You'd think when you won 18 million, they'd round up the 73, wouldn't they? (laughs) I wouldn't bother doing it 73. We'll call it 100. That is not a bad day's work, really, is it? It's crazy, yeah. That's a crazy tournament. I mean, I, there's an English guy who, who plays in that, who's played in that tournament a few times called Sam Trickett. I think he did. He come second. I think he may have come second. And I think he won like 10 million or something. Joe, if you're, if you're that guy, Sam, and you've won 10 million, what are you doing? Are you sacking off poker because you, you've won 10 million? Or is that making you think, I'm a winner, I'm going to keep playing it? No, I'm sacking off poker. If I'm winning half a mil... I'm sucking off poker and that thing. In fact, no. If I'm if I'm winning fifty grand, I'm walking out of there and I'm you know, never. Been, I'm investing that um, in oil companies and uh, hand sanitising companies, and I'm making a killing off the back of that because I'm too scared. Remember, Rich has already described me as a nervous novice, <laughs> um, so I'm going to take it and run whilst I can. Rich, I've got another question for you because we're we're doing this uh, remotely because of lockdown. Are you playing poker right now? <laughs> I can hear some tapping. I can, yeah, I can, I can, I can hear, hear your some keyboard. Tapping. No, I was just looking actually, sound tricky because I was curious how much he had, how much he did win. I, I didn't want to like misinform you. I, I'm, I'm not maybe it wasn't ten million, but he did win a lot of money in one of these events. But I can't, I can't find it, so that's why I was. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not that bad. I'm not playing just yet. <laughs> the fact that you've described yourself as a gambling degenerate um, on about eight or nine occasions through this pod, I'm going to go with I don't believe you. 
that you're not playing poker right now and i also don't blame you i have i have played poker actually in some particularly kind of unexpected spots like when my wife was um in labor and i was just sitting there not really doing much i did log on very temporarily for a few hands (laughs) How did that go I down? I don't think she noticed, actually. But, I mean, it, it was like a three-day labour or something. So, I mean, I can't perfect. expect just to sit there forever. Perfect. So, <laughs> yeah. she, was pre- she was preoccupied with something else, that you call it. Yeah. Um, and that gave you plenty of time to... Get a few hands in. A few, a few cheeky hands in. This has absolutely blown my mind. I never, in a million years, did I think that you could be a professional poker player, a professional gambler... His working hours is the same as a vampire, and <laughs> you're winning hundreds and thousands at a time. You're losing hundreds and thousands at a time on these big things, and yeah, that's a way of life. And I've just been so fascinated by the insight that you've given. I'm a little bit hurt again. You know, Tom has the nervous this... comment. Actually, you've reminded me again. Oh. Yes, I am a little bit hurt that you insulted me <laughs> uh, as being a nervous novice, but that's part of my bluff. Um, which you'll find out when I take your ass down in World Series of Poker event 112 when COVID stops. But I'm a little bit hurt that Tom tricked me yet again with a friend that has a nickname. You don't have it. Do you have any friends that don't have nicknames? Not really, no. Brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> but I've really, really enjoyed speaking to you, Rich. And thank you so much for giving me an insight into the world of poker. No worries. I've enjoyed it. Th- thanks, guys. You're playing poker now, aren't you? Uh, I would, oh, no, I'm not. I'm, I was just having a quick look to see what's. There's a few. <laughs> there's a few games. Um, I'm not. I'm not beginning to. Uh, the pause was too long. Um, I know you're lying to me. It's fine. Can I just offer you one bit of advice? And it's something that I've heard before. Yep. Go for it. When the fun stops, stop. So, Joe, look, I would like to formally apologise for partly pulling the wool over your eyes again and not revealing in advance that I knew Rich but and I can see from your eyes that you're hurt first the open lines of a song I can see from your eyes that you're hurt but I would hope the stuff we heard from Rich and how interested we both were in it have made up for my deception it's not made up for no. your deception I was interested and delighted for the insight that I received from Rich aka Chufty but I'm, I'm deeply hurt yet again you know, the times that I'm trying to give myself to you and really open up and you just tear me down. I don't know what you're doing to me. It's almost like that that song, like last Christmas, where I gave you my heart and then the very next day you go and get a guest on that you know and I don't. That should have been the words to that song. But yeah, he was still wonderful. It was great. Really interesting. A little bit, you know, the, the fact that he's up all night playing poker on his own his desk I worry that he's a bit lonely but he, he seemed happy with it because the winnings I guess softened that blow I definitely think he was playing for the last half hour yeah <laughs> clearly <laughs> <laughs> he gave us an insight but there was a lot of pauses it probably in the time that we were formulating an average question he probably won about 15 grand <laughs> he was very he was very impressive I, I'd like to see how he, he goes live and if I were to say to you, Joe Marler, would you rather be a professional rugby player or a professional poker player? What would your answer be? On this one, I'm actually going to go with the poker player. Ah. Less havoc on the body. And a less impressive physique. That would be the payoff, because you have a magnificent physique. Yeah, thank you ever so much, Tom. 
I try my hardest. And I'm wearing all black today, so... It is slimming. Slimming. Now, yep. Joe, just to remind people, if you want to support the show, search for Joe Marler Show on Patreon. Sign yourself up there for extra content. If you want another podcast to listen to, I, Joe, would like to recommend the Geraint Thomas Cycling Club. If you're into cycling, you like riding your bike, Geraint has new episodes every Tuesday. Different topic every week, climbing, sprinting, time trials, the best kits, coffee shops and more. Just search for the Geraint Thomas Cycling Club. Cyclist, is he? He's a cyclist. Loves his cycling, does he? Yeah. And his rugby, actually. Loves his rugby, does he? Loves his rugby. He was at Twickenham. Welsh, is he? Yes, he was at Twickenham in uh, the 2015 World Cup when Wales made a bit of a mess of England's World Cup and uh, sent me quite a rude message in the aftermath. That's not very nice of him. Crowd Network, a place where you belong. Sports Social Podcast Network.